0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good evening, and
1: welcome to The Late Show with me, Tom Rogers, on Teachers Talk Radio, where tonight we are discussing national anthems. GB News have decided that, for all intents and purposes, they are going to play the national anthem every morning at 6 a.m. to open the channel. Is that something schools should be doing, or is that something that should be binned and consigned to the dustbin? good evening people i hope you are well this evening i hope you are well tonight i hope that you are uh recovered just about from day one of the week in school monday it's never easy get up scrape the. oh my goodness me that wasn't supposed to happen um wake up scrape the ice off the windshield and try and prepare for the day and uh, it's never easy actually in the winter although i have to say winters now seem to be hellishly more mild than they were back in when I was a kid. I can't remember them being as brutal, let's say. Uh, It seems to me that we enter January, and we end up with this tepid uh, kind of uh, cold rather than that bitter cold that you would get every single day. I mean, I remember walking to school just every day after day, it was ice cold. Whereas nowadays, I don't know. I, you know, obviously a lot of people and would point to global warming and say, listen, Tom, you know, that is why you are currently waking up and you feel like you're in a in a, a much more pleasant um kind of heat than than say a British winter in nineteen ninety six. I mean, I remember when we had a a white Christmas, ninety five, ninety six, the last time I remember a white Christmas. The last time I remember a Christmas being really cold, to be honest with you. I'm sure we've has have had many cold Christmases since nineteen ninety five, but Nevertheless, it's one of those things where I do notice it more, you know, especially now in, in January. I don't know if you do. please tell me in the text if you do, but that's my experience. Anyway, we're not here to talk about weather tonight. We've got lots to discuss, and the first thing that I wanted to talk about tonight was the the announcement by GB News that they are and they just announced this today that they are going to play the national anthem every morning at um 6am on teach- on on teachers talk radio we're not going to um but on gb news they are at 6am every day gonna play the national anthem to start all of their broadcasting and i kind of put a tweet out about an hour ago just to kind of gauge uh the responses on this and see what people were thinking and whether they think that this is ridiculous or whether they think actually it's a it's a good idea there are those out there who would say um, and I think it was somebody called Charlotte Lottie B seventy seven on Twitter uh, who uh, originally posted that that um, she was asking, "Can we do this in schools too?" I've actually invited uh, Charlotte via via a tweet to to come on the show and kind of explain her view. So maybe she'll turn up and, and call in at some point. But certainly, from my perspective, she was basically saying, "Can we? Can we do this? Can we?" uh play the national anthem and and a lot of the responses it has to be said were to the negative. Uh there were a lot of people who said, no, this is a ridiculous idea. In the tweet that I put out following that, I just asked for people's views really. And um, I got a range of responses. Um uh Crystal, uh, Chris Chris in the chaos says not as it not as long as it remains as God save the Queen, a new anthem and then maybe once a week. Well, I'd love to hear from Crystal in terms of what she thinks the new anthem should be. Presumably, because Crystal is in Scotland, it would be something that does not involve God Save the Queen, I would guess. Uh, uh, Mrs Khalid, Noreen, uh, one of our fellow TTR hosts, says, I wouldn't mind it. We used to sing the Pakistani anthem when I was in school in Karachi. Uh, Etak says, a country at peace with its identity has no need for this nonsense. Uh, Miss Mann says, as an American teacher that has to stand for the pledge every Monday, I'll say blind patriotism without explanation is just nationalism, which isn't helpful to bettering anything. Mr. James MCCT says, yuck, don't get me wrong. I love the Queen uh, as as my constitutional nana, but this is way too far. Uh, we've then got Kim Possible who says, in Ireland until at least the early two thousand, the national anthem was played at the end of the night in nightclubs all across the country. <laughs> no way, I don't believe you. I don't believe you, Kim Possible. This has to be false. Do you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna tweet this out right now. This has to be false. <laughs> oh dear, that just can't be right, can it? Um, but anyway, um, someone else can tell me if that's true or not. I have no idea, but, um, I'm, I'm interested in that one. Um, uh, the, the, the national anthem played at the end of the night in Ireland when everyone's, um, legless, uh, and I'm guessing it comes on. And, everyone... and that, that's the, that's the interesting thing. I guess every country has a different relationship to their national anthem, a different feeling about their national anthem, a, a different interpretation of when their national anthem should or shouldn't be played and all that kind of jazz. Um. I remember, you know, you think about different different British politicians who've reacted to maybe the anthem or, or different ceremonial things differently and they've got, you know, hammered in the press and some press have celebrated them for it. Um, everyone's got this, this different interpretation. Interesting from Kevin. Uh, Kevin tweeted in and said, it's not really a thing British people do. Um, and he said, it's a no from me. Uh, Kawer says, tokenistic patriotism to appease people who can't see the real issues in the country or in schools. Unless it's the World Cup, in which case everyone sings three lions before school until England get knocked out. Amanda says, if we had a decent anthem, I would say, oh, Canada. Uh, a good one as it relates to the country itself and not an individual. I'm not sure what Amanda means there, but I'm sure someone else can tell me. Uh, Lama. And I am a fan of that Twitter handle, Karma Lama. Start each day with the national dirge. It's hardly uplifting, is it? It's a no from me, the national dirge. Interesting. Uh, Tabitha, our fellow TTR host, says not even US students start the day by singing the national anthem, a symptom of an entirely failing state. Uh, and she's had a couple of tweets in response to that from people uh jasmine says so what you're saying is by next presidential election american schools will be singing the national anthem uh and yeah she had a few other responses to that tweet Uh mr smith says we do it in canada um owen jeremy says do they do it in canada i don't know maybe uh owen jeremy says sex pistols version <laughs> <laughs> We can't be singing a fascist regime at uh, uh, 8am in assembly. Although it would be, it would be funny. So I appreciated that reply. Good. Um, And this was an interesting one from Andy. And I I, I didn't know this. When young cinemas would play the national anthem at the end of the main feature every night, all the audience were expected to stand in silence, did this at the end of Sound of Music twice and Ben-Hur. They stopped being, because of so much, ignoring it by audiences in the mid-1960s. so yeah, I didn't know that happened. So interesting. Um, James simply says no. Uh, Via says, for what purpose? Well, that's a good question. For what purpose would you would you do that? Um, I guess we'll have to ask GB News.
2: <laughs>
1: but um, I, I guess they would argue to to create a uh, community of listeners. I've, I've no idea. Or watches, as it would be on GB News. I've no idea what they would argue. Uh, in terms of schools, I, I don't know. Maybe to they they might argue to embed a national identity, a common national identity, whatever that is. Um, I don't know what people would argue in in that sense, but I'm sure they'd have arguments for it. Uh, Own up, who took my glue stick? Says, can we sing the Flanders and Swan, a song of patriotic prejudice instead? Nope, don't think so. Uh, me says you can forget by me singing later verses of God Save the Queen. Wade, rebellious, you bet I am. Hmm. Uh, Theo says, where has this nonsense come from? Well, it's GB News, Theo. It wasn't me. They're the ones who've said 6 a.m. They're doing the national anthem on every morning from now on. Uh, The provoked pedagogue says, makes me want to throw up in my mouth. We should be evolving out of death, outmoded concepts like nationality. Um... Interesting. Um, I think I think the opposite view to that would be that. Uh, what would they say in opposite to that about nationality? Um, I suppose that would mean that no individual country then has its own. The, the, oh, God, I, you know what? I'm too tired to even get into that, that debate because um, that's a biggie. That's like a globalization, open borders, no borders, global community kind of debate versus nation states and so on and so forth. I need Tabith here, she's amazing at this stuff. Um, English Examiner says, nope, it's just not British. Me says, can we do Flower of Scotland? Goodness me, the, the Scottish Anthem's got a lot of um, support. And even Theo, who was very critical, who is, uh, as far as I'm aware, looking at his profile, he's not Scottish, although who knows. Uh, says, not a bad punt. Personally, I prefer Hamish Henderson's Freedom Come All Ye. Instead of Flower of Scotland, whatever that is. Um Alison Honeybone says, no way in capital letters. And yeah, goodness. Quite a lot of replies. Um history teacher and learner says it'd take a week to teach them the words. Uh and I said I said that was fair, because it probably is. I mean I mean, interestingly enough, I was talking about my experience of Camp America when I was 18 and and going over there and uh when i was when i arrived there i I remember specifically the drive from the the airport in michigan to where the camp was and it was the first time i'd been obviously in the states it was first time i had been on an airplane actually and i kind of touched down there and um i was picked up and i was in the car and as we were driving there i was noticing that every single house had the um a flagpole and the american flag on outside and that was something that i hadn't really seen in in britain to be honest at that point i um, I might have seen the odd flag in a window possibly, but I'd never seen such kind of, uh, um, such uniform uh, kind of use of the na- a national flag. Um, I don't know whether other countries do that. I'm trying to think of another country that would display the flag as much. I'm sure there are, but I don't know what they are because, um, I mean, I, I have to say even in Spain, they did present the national flag a little bit more than perhaps britain does um you know i um, give an example when there was the whole issue of the uh, the catalan independence uh um for Rory in spain i remember walking through vigo which is where i was living and and, and i'm still I've been teaching there actually online at the moment um, but i remember walking through um vigo and there was a lot of spanish flags all over the place i mean i don't i didn't think that happened when we had the Scottish uh, referendum or anything like that. Obviously maybe the union flag was used by Scottish people who wanted to stay in the union and English people who wanted Scotland to stay in the union. Um, but I, I did, you know, it's, it's quite interesting in Spain. They they do show the flag more, I would say. Uh, they probably have a, a slightly more prominent role um, for, for the national flag. Um uh, but, but I haven't really seen that in, in anywhere else, certainly not not in France. Uh, I'm trying to think about, you know, I, was, I lived in Slovenia, hardly saw their national flag anywhere, uh, ever. So maybe it's a US thing. I don't know. Someone can tell me, maybe the Russians show their flag a bit more. Uh, I'd be interested in that one, but I, we do actually have some Russian listeners, according to our stats. So maybe somebody listening back to this can tweet us at TT Radio 2022. And tell me if the Russians project their flag as much as the Americans do. I don't know. Interesting one. So what else have we got coming up? We've, we've talked about flags for a bit. And if anyone wants to share their their view on this, then do call in. And, and I know Noam's here. So Noam, if you want to get involved in the chat today, then uh, then just call in. Because I was going to chat with Noam tonight um, about a few bits, if he fancies it. If not, uh, don't worry about it. We can, we can chat another time. But... um certainly what what i think this flag debate raises is is the relationship between schools and the kind of nation state i suppose you would say um it's interesting that uh, i I'd, I'd be interesting from Noam actually in in iran what 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 children in schools in iran do do they sing the a- a- anthem do they have the 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 um the flag on display in the classroom um you know what? What do they do? Uh, it's uh, it always brings up. I, I, I think that point in the commentary there was an interesting one about the Euros because I. That's about the only time, maybe the Olympic Games, a little bit, but sporting events probably the only time that, that British people tend to. I say British people, I mean maybe English people. I mean, I've seen I see more maybe of the Welsh. I very rarely see the Saint George's um, flag, as opposed to say the Welsh national flag or the Scottish national flag. Uh, um, yeah, probably historical, that one. But it, it's interesting. I do find it interesting, the relation and, and the response to that GB News announcement, if you find it on Twitter, was also interesting, just to see the range of responses of people who were very, very supportive and people who were saying, what are you playing at? And, you know, um, yeah, it's interesting. Really interesting debate. So maybe we'll touch on that later. And if no one wants to call in later and tell me what happens in Iran, then he can do. Uh, also on the show today, I'm going to be replaying. Hopefully, fingers crossed, because uh, I had a couple of issues with with uh, with getting it to play earlier. But hopefully, uh, you're going to hear a little recording of an interview that I did with uh, Cassie Young, uh, who is a uh, primary school head teacher. She's a head teacher of multiple schools now. When I recorded this, I'm not sure she was. Maybe she's in the studio. Maybe she can tell me what 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 the state of play is now. But I know when we recorded it, she she was already a head teacher, and I interviewed her as a school leader, and um, I just thought I I really enjoyed this interview, so I I you know I got a lot of time for Cassie, and I thought it was it was a good interview. It was honest. There was a lot of um, really interesting nuggets of information in it, and I just thought why not why not replay it so people can actually listen to it back as a podcast as part of Teachers Talk Radio. So we're gonna hopefully play that interview if it lets me, and uh, and then we'll come back after that. And then we will uh, resume uh, our discussion on flags. And uh, if anyone has any thoughts on uh, not just flag waving, but also national anthems and whether we should sing them, then, uh, and, and school students should sing them, then definitely get in touch and let me
0: know. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy to use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland. Full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today.
3: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you.
0: this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with gail glenn
2: forest gate community school in london has cut the working week to four and a half days after simon elliott who leads the academy trust read a series of alarming reports on professional stress and burnout for teachers The initiative is proving so successful that the school is now consulting on whether to reduce the week further to four days. Mr Elliot said, if you look at the amount of work teachers do, they do more than similar professions and the workload is very high. I wanted to try and alleviate that pressure at a structural level. In order to achieve this, a 50 minute lesson was added on to the remaining weekdays. Tom Leather, a PE teacher said, knowing we're allowed to leave at 12.10 on Friday means that morale is better. Happier teachers work harder and produce better days. In Scotland, Teacher absences due to COVID are at the highest level since the start of the school session. Union leaders said current shortages were creating enormous pressure. The surge has been driven largely by self-isolation requirements, although some parents have also decided to keep youngsters away. The Education Secretary, Shirley-Ann Somerville, told MSPs, Earlier on in the pandemic, We did, of course, put a call out via the General Teaching Council for retired teachers if they wanted to come back into the profession for some time. The uptake of that, I have to say, was exceptionally low. It is something that we are looking to do again. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
4: Hello, this week Steve has lost his voice, so I am going to take a look at visualizing in the classroom. Before I begin, this is not about which product is best and comparing brands and features. This is about what you need to consider to make the best choice for your school or department. Visualizing in the classroom, in my opinion, is getting something that would be difficult to see into a format that a whole class can see more easily. This may be a live moving image or a still image. Also, it may be projected onto a large screen or cast out to multiple devices. The whole idea is it makes something small more accessible. The list of devices that can do this is huge, but they fall roughly into three categories. Visualizers, document cams and webcams. What is the difference? In sport, the definition of fitness is the ability to cope with the environment around you. When you are purchasing a device, this is what you need to consider. Don't just buy one because someone else uses it and says it's amazing. Their environment may be totally different to yours. The factors that are going to affect your purchase are cost, size, software, portability, features, and what you already have in terms of audio-visual equipment. Lighting is sometimes overlooked and depending on what you are capturing can make a huge difference. Starting with the most expensive option the visualizer. Generally, classroom visualizers come with a large footprint meaning they take up a lot of desk space. They tend to have a high-quality downward-facing camera, lighting built-in top-down and even sometimes a backlit bed. They tend to allow control from the unit so there will be little or no need to move away from the device to operate. This may be useful if a lot of time is spent using the device or furniture obstructs movement. A lot of visualizers are also standalone, meaning they work independently of your computer however, additional software can be installed to further augment the experience. Document cameras tend to be less expensive, have a smaller footprint and be more portable compared to visualizers however, they usually have less features and need a computer to use them. Although they are plug and play there is normally additional software available that will provide the ability to capture still and moving images, zoom in and out like a visualizer but normally control is via the computer it is attached to. Generally, they do not feature built-in lighting but tend to have a built-in microphone. The cheapest option, the webcam is plug and play and may have additional software. However, the previous devices are designed for projecting something desk-based to an audience. The webcam is designed to work in a different way, but can be more versatile, especially if you move rooms frequently. You need a computer to plug it into, some come with flexible arms and a base you can plug it into, but like the document cam, they are restricted by the length of the USB cable. Now we have an idea of what the devices are capable of. The next question is what do you already have? Do you have an interactive board? If so, imaging a pupil's book with a cheaper webcam and using pinch zoom and annotation may do the job. Or in a bright setting, an HD webcam may do the trick. In the past the rule was the higher the price the better quality of image. Today that isn't necessarily so. My conclusion is before you spend out, do your research and consider the fitness of the device for your environment and your value for money. And please talk to your school technical support before you purchase anything. Sometimes devices are not compatible with school networks. For a visual version of this episode check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods' screen reader and that was 2 Minute Tech. Two
0: this is teachers talk radio and you are listening live
1: hi everybody and welcome to another one of my school leader interviews this is series two episode seven and i'm interviewing cassie young who is a head of school in a rural part of the south east of england um and i'm going to be asking her all the usual questions in addition to some questions that dig a little deeper um, that are more specific uh to cassie and her context so cassie first of all welcome and thanks very much for accepting my invitation for this interview
5: thanks for inviting me i didn't realize it was an audition for castaway um, but i'd like to take the place of uh, wilson if i could please
1: also um i yes i do feel a little bit um ragged at the moment i it it is the heart of yes carlos oops i know i know um i should have shaved and i should have had a haircut but we live and we learn we're
5: Uh, here
1: we're here we're here i put a blazer on to look a bit
5: yeah i see
1: thank you anytime anytime um cassie first questions are more general ones So what's the first thing you grab in the morning? Um,
5: I'm the first person up in the mornings uh, during the week. So it's my phone to turn my alarm off and try and creep around and not get everyone else awake. Um, But at the moment we have, you probably know because my Twitter is completely covered in uh, puppy pictures. (laughs) Uh, so we've got a 20-week-old puppy called Larry David, and uh, he seems to want to get up uh, an hour before anyone else. So at the moment, I'm grabbing him, trying to keep him quiet, run him downstairs into the garden. So, yeah, they're the, the, the first things I grab, a phone and a puppy.
1: That's good. Um, and what is your normal, like, alarm clock time on a on a school day? Um
5: depending on how the morning's going at school um, usually about 6 a.m and I try to leave the house between seven and ten past seven and I've got about a 35 40 minute commute. Um, so I don't get to school particularly early um but um, with a five-year-old and a puppy and trying to get every get out of the house is always quite a bit of a challenge. so yeah. It's quite military precision, actually, to get yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, normally between seven and 10 past seven, I'm out the door and, and on my way.
1: Perfect. And what do you think? So, moving into kind of like you as a leader, what do you think it is that people notice about you? Um, Not even as a leader, just as a person
5: just as just generally um i ask an awful lot of questions and i've been described as an annoying little sister at times that sort of follows people around saying but why and how do you do that and what what happens then and i ask an awful lot of questions and that's probably the first thing people notice about me and it's not intended to be um provocative it's just that i'm really curious and inquisitive and i've always have been i've always been quite annoying with my questioning um so that's probably the first thing that people notice
1: (laughs) and what what do you hope people notice about you
5: um probably that i'm just really passionate about my job and i always feel it's a bit strange when people say oh what are your hobbies outside of your work and i think well i like music and i like listening to podcasts and i like reading and going on long walks and all of that classic stuff but actually i just really love education and i'm really passionate about it and that's if i'm staring into space i can guarantee that 99 of the time that's what i'm thinking about which is really nerdy <laughs> um, which is probably why i like twitter so much because it's just full of nerds that talk about education all the time And I know that even in the holidays people are like, oh, you shouldn't, you should talk about other things. And I do, I use Twitter as kind of a mix of things. I use it for kind of sharing ideas and and sharing other people's ideas particularly. Um, And I use it for other, you know, chatting about music or films or, you know, other things that interest me. But really, it's just a little kind of community of of people that really like education.
1: Yeah, I mean, I disagree yeah. with those those people who say, "Oh, I'm I'm not being sad. I'm I'm getting away from education for the holiday." But for some people, it, it is a hobby. Like for me, I, I I love it. I love talking about it. I love being engaged with it. I love being involved with it. So for me, it's ninety percent. It's like a hobby, um, like meeting people as well and and all that kind of stuff, like networking. There's loads of different elements to it. Creating, so it always, yeah, it always confuses me. Like everyone's different everyone's some people might see it as a chore but other people might see it as like
5: it's a pursuit isn't
1: it It,
5: yeah I think it's a pursuit and I think that if you're passionate about something and you want to talk about it and you want to share your ideas or your theories or you know your your viewpoints that's just pushing the kind of rhetoric forward isn't it that's that's widening your thought processes. And I think that's really, really important. I think we're in a really lucky, I think we're in a really rich time in education where we have a platform where people you never come across um, in the real, in your day-to-day life. You know, you're not in these silos as much as you were. And I think it's, it's amazing. I really do.
1: Agreed, agreed. What is your biggest weakness or fatal flaw? Um,
5: I, I, I have a well. Ter- well, It's not a terrible habit. It's probably a good thing um, that I trust everyone implicitly, <laughs> whoever they are. I trust them. I trust that they've got good intentions. I trust that they want the best for everyone. Um, and I don't know whether it's cause I'm hurtling very close to 40 or that I've just it's it, I've been a burnt a few times and I think um I haven't stopped that but I've learned how to manage my expectations I think a bit better but I do trust everyone <laughs> I meet them yeah. I assume that they're good fundamentally everyone's good somewhere and I think I think the difficulty comes where I I have kind of an idea of where I want to go or where I want to be. Um, and I try and meander around people and kind of please people and, um, yeah. make sure I don't hurt people. And some people just, they've got a place to go regardless of, you know, other people, they kind of hit yeah. direction and yeah, that's fine. Yeah. People, you know, that's just humans, isn't it? Well, but yeah, I think. I think that's probably, that's probably my fatal flaw.
1: I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a flaw. I think it would be debatable to say that's a floor seeing the best in everyone seeing everyone positively you know and um yeah um but well done for getting out of that one and um, what <laughs> what is your what is your biggest strength
5: sorry a lot of sighing and looking at the ceiling um I think I think over the last three years, being put into a job that I wasn't expecting to be put into um, and working, uh, uh, taking on a special measures school three years ago, um, I pretty much have everything that could possibly go wrong and go right happen in a very short space of time. So I think resilience, I think, there's been some very dark times. <clears throat> um, yeah. And um, we've had to make some really tough decisions and we've, you know, had to really pull together. And I think that bounce back ability, that resilience, you I've had to learn, basically. Because I've always had to rely, you know, I've always had that safety net of someone else making decisions or someone else kind of taking that responsibility. And when it's all on your shoulders. <laughs> um you kind of have to learn resilience so i think that's probably a strength and i love the kind of strategic i love strategically thinking about things as well yeah. so i will think um i'll put myself in everyone's position so as a pupil as a parent as a teacher as a support staff member as a member of the community if i've got to make a big decision that might change the cultural ethos of the school um and strategically think about how that might that decision might impact everyone so i think that's probably a strength of mine as well i always come up with what if this happens or how do you think this person might interpret that and um that's always kind of that's that's always been sort of noted whenever decisions have been made that everything's been kind of thought through so i'd say that was a strength
1: I think that's a big trend for for leadership anyway, isn't it? But um, what's the one personality trait that you simply don't have time for?
5: Laziness, Mm. laziness or people that kind of shirk responsibility or they try and blame someone else. I think if you make a mistake, you just own it. (laughs) As a leader, you make mistakes all the time and there's no point hiding them because ultimately someone's gonna kind of come across it. And I think if you hold your hands up and you're kind of honest and you show integrity and you say, actually, that was my decision and it was a mistake, um, I think that's always a good thing. But my dad's always, actually no, am I I allowed to swear?
1: Yeah, sure.
5: Okay, my dad's always said, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. and you can pick them out very easily if you're oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> used to that kind of um y- you can just pick it up and i just think just own it it's easier um so yeah and laziness i just just get on with it i think uh, my parents have always instilled with me and and my siblings that you know if you work hard you'll you you ultimately get rewarded for it and um so we've all kind of always had you know we've all been sent out to work from sort of 13 and 14 always had multiple jobs always just worked incredibly hard so i think when you come across someone that's the opposite of that that can be quite frustrating
1: yeah yeah i mean do you think i mean i was going to say i i i would say that that laziness as an attribute is is probably quite rare in in teaching um only for the fact that people do tend to feel that sense of responsibility f- for the kids um and that can often drive them um but maybe outside of the the classroom and outside of the essentials perhaps that can be a trait you know but
5: yeah. yeah i mean it can go too far the other way and i think you you talk about it quite a lot actually on your on your on your twitter feed about you know that kind of toxic work environment where you you kind of get into this rut of Relentlessly working, um and making yourself sick from it. <clears throat> and I think it's really important that, as leaders, you you read you read the room and you and you talk to everyone in whatever job role they're in, and you really dig down into to what what is making workload unmanageable. and you yeah. cut that back. and I think, be previously being in a, in a special measures school, um, it was it was almost like a bomb had been dropped on the school. And the good thing about that is that you could start all over again. So get rid of all of the bells and whistles and the stupid things that people did because they were told that that's what they had to do. Um, and you kind of stripped it back to to the real fundamentals of teaching, which is just quality first teaching, getting rid of you know, the schemes and the strategies and the hoop jumping and just go back to the basics. And that's really how it's been kind of successful in our school. And it also yeah. means that when you add something new into the mix, you kind of see the impact of, of that on, on workload and
3: yeah. you get
5: feedback all the time, it's really yeah. important. But yeah, ultimately teachers aren't lazy ever. <laughs> Yeah. even if they try to they can't because they've got this like moral compass in them that sort of says i can't do that to the children
1: um comfortable silences or non-stop conversation
5: um i come from a really big family and my mum is a greek cypriot my dad is um an, uh a roman catholic irishman so we have this huge family, and they and I remember my husband the first time he met them as a massive group of family. Um, he just said, "No one listens. They all talk over each other. No one listens to anyone. They're shouting. They're getting drunk. They're really raucous." And I hadn't noticed that because that's how I'd been brought up. So I just was like, "This is this is what everyone's like, isn't it?" And then I went to his family, and they're uh Geordie's and it's a very small family and they're very quiet. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. People actually listen to what you've got to say. So I like a bit of both actually. Yeah. Um I do come home and um I need 10 minutes to just have no one talk to me. So I can just <laughs> <laughs> just 10 minutes of silence. I'll cook or I'll take the dog for a walk or you know and I just need 10 minutes of absolute silence and just reflect on the day put it in a box and put it away for the evening i think that's really important that you have that kind of opportunity so yeah a bit of both
1: the only bit that confused me there is you saying geordie's being quiet i was very confused by that comment (laughs) alex Fairlam's probably watching bloody hell talk about quiet geordies rosanna i I, I, i'd have to list them all there's a lot of people i know who are geordies who just just they're they're not (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's for
5: sure okay maybe i shouldn't have said all geordies no select few my husband is a very quiet geordie
1: <laughs> and, and gaza as well we could add in um what is better being nice or being fair
5: um being fair being fair sometimes being fair doesn't mean you're being nice um but ultimately i think if you're fair You build trust with people, um, you're being honest um, and you're probably doing them a favour because sometimes you need to give hard messages and that's not always appearing to be nice, but in the long run maybe that's going to be beneficial to everyone. So I think being fair.
1: Makes sense. Um, Teaching and leadership. Um, Describe your leadership journey and what challenges you've encountered along the way?
5: Uh, so I've been teach. I've been in working in schools for four, maybe fourteen years. Gosh, that's a long time actually. Now, um, and I worked in a big uh, South London uh, primary school. Um, after I did my PGC in Kingston. Um, and i was working in Mitchen, and then uh, i became a member of the slt probably five years into that um i was a curriculum lead uh and then i moved back to hastings where i'm originally from uh and then i went to brensit where they were advertising for a senco job a two-day-a-week senco is what i ultimately uh went for yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> Um, uh, I'd done my Senko qualification while I was on maternity leave. Um, my head at the time said it was a great idea, and I'd have loads of time, obviously, to do a Senko yeah. qualification while having a newborn baby. Um, so I um started two days a week, but when I arrived at the school, um there were no teachers. Yeah um all of the teacher, teachers had left so i ended up being hmm?
1: what do you mean left just- um
5: the school had gone into special measures and uh, the okay. had left um
3: yeah.
5: and uh it was a very difficult time so i was put in a classroom uh, in the one of the the more difficult classrooms so i was in a i think it was a, a four or five class um then i was asked to do three days a week which i said yes because i'd become quite attached to that class they were yeah. they were a tough a tough old class to, to have they'd had about 30 supply teachers by that point um i yeah. had no trust um yeah. for any of the adults and um so i felt quite obliged and committed actually more committed than obliged to um to work three days a week then i was asked to be the assistant head um and then i was asked to do four days a week <laughs> and then um, I was asked to take on the head of school role with an executive head from a large successful school that was about 10 minutes down the road. So wow. I had been in the Meteori school.
1: Meteoric rise, meteoric rise. Oh. Yeah.
5: Yeah. The Not really expected. Um, yeah. the CEO of, of our trust had kind of said, look, um, and the school improvement advisor who I'd spent a lot of time with had said, look, you've got the right attributes. And actually we think you'd be really good at this. And I just thought you're, Desperate <laughs> or no. mad or a bit of both. Uh, but obviously they saw something in me that uh, I didn't oh, see myself. So I still suffer massive. For, everyone suffering.
1: watching this, we'll, we'll see. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask you then, this this tough class, I mean, just interesting on behaviour, on the issue of behaviour. Um, Is there any advice you would give to a teacher who, at primary level, who has got a really tough kind of behavior gig uh with a class they're sending a lot of kids out they're feeling as though the class not are out of control but it's not going well um what would be your kind of top three things or top two things that you would kind of say to them um to try and sort that out
5: um I would pr- behavior is my thing. I love, you know, I love talking about this. So you yeah. give me two things to say. Tom is a little unfair, actually. Um, <laughs> no,
1: I mean, I'm restricting you there, but I'm trying okay, to.
5: I would, I'll you just quickly say life. what I do because I've been in that position. Yeah. and I think as leaders, you need to be honest and say, yeah, I've been in that position yeah. where I've had a, a class run a yeah. month, and um, and I've I've come home and I've cried have cried and said, I can't do this. And then you go back the next day, you turn up every day. And I think that was, I think turning up every day is, is, is 80% of the battle because you need to build a relationship with these kids, but boundaries, consistency, structure, knowing what to do. I don't think it's about um, having this you know yes ultimately you have these classes that you know behavior in our schools outstanding i can walk into any class with anyone at any time and know that that behavior is going to be absolutely 100% spot on but that didn't happen overnight that was relentless consistent boundaries and commun- over communicating what the expectations were and practicing we have boot camp days at the beginning of each term where we practice lining up we practice mm. um you know not fiddling with things on the tables and making sure that we're kind of being really explicit in our expectations and that yeah. takes time and i think it's really easy after a couple of days to think oh, i've i can't do i can't i can't manage behavior but it has to come from the top ultimately you need to have a decent behavior policy and you need to communicate yeah. it with absolutely everyone so that i use the wall analogy quite a lot that children will test the boundaries they'll they'll push on that wall and they'll check that they get the same reaction every single time and that has to be the adult the adult has to be that wall and whichever adult is is in front of those children whatever whatever that child does the reaction needs to be the same whether you are the person that's in the dining hall or you're the person on the playground or you're the sports coach or you're the you know office admin their your reaction as an adult is yeah. ultimately the thing that makes that child feel safe and secure. and you need to, as leaders, communicate that to your staff so yeah. that those children, every time they push that they push and check that wall is the same. It's the same. It doesn't just suddenly disintegrate because that's what makes them feel unsafe. Yeah. And if you get that, then you you'll get the behavior. The behavior just it just comes.
1: I mean, do, does the do the ins and outs of the the kind of sanctions policy or the behavior policy? Do they do they matter so much, or is it? you know? Does it matter if you have three warnings, one warning, one, uh, you know, chance? Uh, what systems you have? I mean, are, are any particular? Is there a particular thing that you think when it comes to the chances, the sanctions? The, the I think you
5: know, I think you have to. I we have basically two strikes and you're out. Yeah. but we don't really have to we don't need to send anyone out at the moment yeah. but, you know we did at the beginning because we needed to set that expectation and our expectations of behavior are incredibly high if yeah. you've got the behavior then your teachers can teach that's what they've got their degrees for that's why they've gone into the job so that they can teach i think there is a little you know there is there are certain teachers that like the chaos that 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 like to have to deal with the firefighting and the behavior because once that's sorted it reveals their teaching and you know in our school we focus just on the teaching because that's what that's the position that we've got to yeah um but yeah we we um, use in primary and i know a lot of schools use it we use good to be green which is this little frog <laughs> and they just have this visual representation so they they have good to be green um and then they have a um we have a non verbal warning which is just a hand up yeah and then we have a verbal warning and then they get their card turned and then they have 5 minutes out in reflection um yeah. and then they get a red card then they kind of get the equivalent of a detention so like a 10 minute out um okay. but that's where now um but that's you know it takes time
1: yeah Thank you for that. That was, that was helpful. That was great. That where,
5: where, so.
1: <laughs> it's true. Where do you think new leaders go wrong? Where do you think new leaders go wrong?
5: Oh, I am a new leader. So, <laughs>
1: yeah, well, yeah. Um,
5: I, th- I think probably, um, not getting to know the community that they're working within, um, not getting to know the demographic, not getting to know the families and the children before making big changes. Yeah, um, And that can be fatal. I think if you don't build trust with the people that you're working with, and you don't get to know your staff, and you make these big fundamental changes to the day-to-day running of a school, regardless of its status, Yeah, that can really pull the rug. Um, from everyone and I think that you need to to not rush into any big decisions I think you need to get to know everyone as well as you can Um, and then make make the changes that you feel that you need to make Um, but I think that is that is a mistake that that leaders do make Um,
3: it's really hard
5: it's easy to build trust it's really it, it it's hard to build trust but it's really easy to lose it and I think once you've lost it, um, yeah, you kind of are on the back foot.
1: Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And do you think that I mean so correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is establish the relationships with the community before you make massive whole scale changes to anything. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we um
5: we spent a long time working on our um our vision for the school. It would have been yeah. really easy to just get a blueprint of of a vision and an ethos and just lay it over the top of the school mm-hmm. um but we actually spent about 18 months nearly two years establishing actually what the vision of our school was we kind of knew that the, yeah. the leaders in the school myself and the executive head we kind of knew where we wanted to head and luckily yeah. we have very similar we have a very similar vision um for kind of what what kind of schools we don't We want to just run really great schools. That's ultimately, that's what we want.
3: Um,
5: but we, we didn't name it. We didn't have a tagline. We didn't have a kind of vision statement. Um, and we spent a lot of time getting feedback from the community about what, what was important to them. And then we pulled it all together. Um, and that was important that we really took our time over it because we want sustainability. I don't want to leave the school um and it fall apart i yeah. want everyone to be able to walk and talk the ethos and the culture of the school um, it, yeah. and and whoever leaves at any point that culture and ethos will continue because that school is notoriously kind of up and down in in its status and its results and um its pupil numbers yeah. so we're building longevity
1: got you yeah. got you yeah. what does success I mean you've you've more or less kind of just answered that but what does success as a school leader look like to you
5: um i think success looks like um it i think it needs to be a school that people want to come to whether they work there or they learn there Mm. um i think it is nurturing and inclusive. I think inclusion is is my big thing. I think there always needs to be a chair at the table for everyone. And that sums up a school that is successful, that everyone from any walk of life um can can join the school and feel part of the school community. I think that's what success successful schools do really well.
1: Yeah that makes that's brilliant i've actually written that down i'm gonna i'm gonna tweet it later it's a good quote oh thanks <laughs> school teachers and students want to come to and feel a part of something like that i i, I may paraphrase but it's fine <laughs> good quote. um digging a bit deeper you are a head teacher of a faith school is this ethos important to you personally or is it something that you simply buy into because you're there
4: um
5: my background's a bit mixed so i've got a greek a greek orthodox mother and a roman catholic father so we have always been brought up with faith um we had, we had to go to church every Sunday and, um, uh, Do that was like, yeah. And then I did a philosophy degree and I remember coming home for Christmas, uh, the first Christmas of starting university. And I said, I don't really believe in religion. And there's just this deathly silence across the table. Um, and my siblings kind of, oh, she said something controversial. And, um, so then for a long time, I was kind of without faith. Um, then I started working at the uh, Church of England school and um, I thought, oh, this, is, this feels familiar. Um, and uh, I, I don't really have strong feelings towards it, uh, towards religion, um, but ultimately I think Christian values are kind of the bread and butter of our school and they embed everything that we do. And I think um, friendship, compassion, trust, uh, forgiveness are all amazingly good um, uh, moral guides for children. I mean, who for doesn't sure. want to have those things and know what they mean? Um, so it is important. It's important to me and it's important to our community. Um, it gives them guidance. Um, yeah, and it is important. and it, and you know all of those services where the community comes together are an opportunity to celebrate us as a school and celebrate the faith um as a whole as well so yeah it is important
1: brilliant Mm. Brilliant. and moving on to the the current situations um have you been anxious yourself about getting covid um and has that impacted you at work personally
5: um, I've actually had an antibody test and they've said that they've possibly already had it. Um, but it was back in February. So that was quite interesting. It was actually just after Brewery, Northampton. So shall I blame shall I blame poor Neil?
1: I I was there. Does that mean I've got antibodies?
5: I don't know. Did, did were you sick at the time?
1: No. Maybe <laughs> I was. I need to think back. I need to think back. Um
5: so uh but that doesn't obviously mean anything really um
1: no
5: no, i'm not particularly concerned about it because i don't really have any under underlying health issues um but i am really anxious about my staff getting it and the children getting it and their families getting it and i think that all leaders feel that and i think that's why this term has been so incredibly difficult because You're running a school, you're trying to keep it as normal, business as normal, you're trying to catch children up, you're trying to make sure that their well-being is looked after as a priority, that they, you know, their anxieties are uh, as low as they can be, um, you're trying to support families that have anxieties about their children being in school, you're trying to manage risk assessments, you're trying to manage constant government updates, um, and that's sort of over the top of just normal day-to-day school leadership and that i think is what has been exhausting this term um it's surprising how quickly children just adapt they came back skip through the door business is normal you can't mix with this class or this class but you can see everyone in your bubble and they're absolutely fine and they yeah. you know the, the gaps and the anxieties i think that we, everyone was kind of worried about aren't there as much as we assumed Um we had all of this you know we had recovery curriculums and um, restorative strands and all sorts of stuff ready um, and actually the children are just phenomenal they've just you know they they are an absolute privilege to work alongside and they actually help with staff anxieties because they're not showing any anxieties. The staff are kind of, we can relax a bit, but actually in the back of everyone's mind is this massive, you know, 50 page risk assessment that I've had to talk through repeatedly and get them to sign to say, I've read it and I've understood it. And, you know, yeah, yeah. so that's the anxiety, but I'm not worried about myself as much. I'm just worried about everyone else.
1: Yeah. I hear you. Um, how do you think the lack I mean you mentioned the bubbles I know there's bubbles but how do you think the lack of kind of physical contact or physical because you are a single closeness um is impacting uh staff and students I mean do, do you think that's having an impact or not
5: um we are a really small school so we've got four bubbles but we've put them into key stage bubbles as well okay um i think it's difficult in a small school because we are so used to having those informal chats So someone's passing in the corridor, you have a quick chat, you find out about a child or they bring something to your attention or they want to discuss, you know, something they want to try and you have those informal discussions and they don't happen anymore. Um, Mm And so you have to really over communicate. So you're kind of having we're having distant staff meetings twice a week where I stand on one side of the room and they all stand kind of we're lucky to have a big hall that everyone can kind of stand apart from each other. um. Yeah, yeah. But I think that that relationship has changed slightly that you don't get that kind of just off the cuff walking past the office having a chat type of thing. And I find that difficult because I just think have I told everyone have I caught everyone as they have walked past my office to say what needs to be said? So I think yeah. you're relying more on emails and and over communicating what you want or or where we're going or what's happening in the school. Um, but I've been quite aware of that this term, that's something that cropped up probably about four weeks in. And I thought, oh, hold on. Not everyone is getting the, the level of communication that they used to we've also yeah. set up some mini coaching um within the bubble so that they are talking to each other uh, in an informal way yeah kind of every couple of weeks they're putting an hour aside just to kind of offload and, and support each other because the people that would normally do that you know they they're either not in their bubble or it's me and i you know i'm not available as often as i can be so we've kind of put structures in place to support everyone
1: okay cool mm-hmm. To finish off, two quick fire questions, Um, podcasts or blogs?
5: Uh, Podcasts. I listen to them in the car on my way to work and they're not normally, uh, sometimes they're education related, sometimes they're not. Big Nicks.
1: Big Nicks? Big, Big Mix.
5: (laughs) Big Mix. Big Nick, I've never (laughs) met Big Nick. I'm sure he's a good
1: friend of yours. I'm sure everybody wants to know who he is, but
5: uh, I listen to the Guilty Feminist, and I listened. I used to listen to gossip mongers, but they've done some terrible things recently, so I haven't listened to that anymore. Um, and I listen to Channel Four kind of comedy stuff. I listen to Naïler's Matter, Actually, I quite like a bit of Naïler's Matter.
1: Naïler's yeah. Natter, just talking <laughs> to teachers. I, 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 always, I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and I've been dreaming that theme song. That is weird, isn't it? Kneelers, is murder, just talking <laughs> to. <the kids. laughs> I'm going down um, yeah, my head,
5: Bill. There's been some really decent chats on that. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah,
1: it's good. But, um, I mean, no. no it's good. Yeah.
5: So, bit of a mix of things.
1: Cool. And Twitter or Facebook? Oh, Twitter. Twitter or Instagram?
5: Twitter. I. <laughs> I don't like facebook at all i really don't i really really don't the only reason i've got it is so that i can share kind of my uh kind of things about my daughter because we've got family that live all over the world so that's the only kind of reason i use it um i don't tend to use it for anything else because it's a terrible place it's a terrible terrible place <laughs>
1: <laughs> cassie it's been a pleasure thanks very much for your time and um i'm sure everyone's enjoyed that as much as i have so thanks a lot
5: Lovely, thank you go and get to the barbers now
1: go away <laughs> that was my interview with cassie young in 2020 can you believe that and it was at the beginning of the lockdown express uh we're back live now by the way so if you have any any texts or anything to share on on that interview then please do um it's an absolutely i love that interview um, but yeah, it made me think, goodness me, the bubbles and the, the drama of COVID, you know, when it first kicked off and what that was like, goodness me. And, and it reminds me what school leaders and teachers have been through for, for two years. We talk about fatigue now you know we talk about people being tired and people forget how long this stuff has gone on for and, and what toll that's going to take on people, in an overall sense. So it was really interesting just to remind myself of some of the things that were going on at that point in, in education. Um, and I'm sure things I I think Cassie's about, but I'm sure things have changed for her since then. I hope, I hope that, you know, um, things have got, got easier in a, in a systems point of view, because that just, it's just a reminder how tough it was really for everyone. So, uh, so yeah, I, th- I thought I'd replay that interview, but also from leadership-wise, just the insights there. Um, I find I always find really interesting listening to leaders and the different ways they see things and approach things. Um, and there's a huge amount there to, to take away. So thanks to Cassie for the original interview, and this will obviously be available on Catch Up as a podcast. You may be listening to it as a podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, so so hopefully you've you've picked up some some
0: great stuff from there. Uh, just gonna be back in in one minute after this. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy to use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full, free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today.
3: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you.
1: Okay, welcome back to Teachers Talk Radio Live, as always with me, Tom Rogers on The Late Show, and uh, I've really enjoyed tonight. You know, we've talked about um, national anthems, uh, got that interview there with with Cassie from 2020. It was lovely to be able to, to look back on that. Uh, just a few notes about things coming up on Teachers Talk Radio, because we've got a full packed schedule of shows, as always, uh, every day, uh, tomorrow The return of Libby Isaac. Really, really looking forward. Uh, Same time as me tonight is Libby Isaac tomorrow at 8pm for the Late Show. She's talking about the county lines. She's talking about um, how schools can can deal with issues of safeguarding around safeguarding. So that's going to be a a fantastic show and one not to miss. And I know I can't remember off the top of my head who her guest is, but I know it's going to be a really, really, really good show. All of Libby's shows always are. Then we've got Rich Wrigley and his cat's from Mexico City at 10 p.m. Um, uh, so he's always doing a show with his, his two cats. Um, so they'll be there too. And you can join him tomorrow night at 10 p.m. live on CTR, um, which I'm sure will be great as always. Rich has a great laid back style. And uh, so if you're looking for that late night chat, then, oh, that sounded dodgy. <laughs> but if you are looking for that chilled late night vibe, then Rich is the man for you. So listen to that show tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Uh, and that's it and, and yeah thanks very much for tuning in tonight for The Late Show uh, finishing slightly earlier than usual tonight um, but we, I will be back again next week same time 8pm on TTR
3: This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live